Let's get going into the message this morning. Um, I'm really excited about it. We are in week two of a three-week series um, entitled Emmanuel, Emmanuel. Um, The message today is God with us in the storm. God with us in the storm. Now, I've said this for many years. I've been here 26 years, and I've said this for many years, and it comes to my heart every single time we come to the Christmas season, and it's this. I love Christmas. I I just love Christmas, and for a hundred reasons, but I'll only give you a couple. I love the buzz of excitement that's in the air. I love the Christmas carols, the lights, the decorations. I love the Christmas trees. I love the gifts and the family get-togethers that seem to take place on a regular basis at Christmas time. I love the idea that people seem so much more generous at the Christmas season than any other time of the year. It's a wonderful, wonderful time of the year. I believe if there is a message to be heard and proclaimed on Christmas for both the believer and the unbeliever alike, for both the Christian and the one who's not a Christian yet, I believe that there is a message of hope. It's a message of hope that would come as a result of Christmas. Uh, I want to remind you again, I know that, that it was just announced uh, a few moments ago about our, our times, but I, I want to just tell you one more time how important it is for you to take one of these cards that would be at the Info Center, and uh, you could take one of these and just invite somebody to, to come to our Christmas services. But they are next weekend, no Sunday morning service, as was mentioned, no Sunday morning service, but we're going to have on 12 28 we're going to have a 6 p.m. and 12 18 we're also, did I say 28 you know what I meant, um, 12, 24, 18, 6 p.m., so 6 p.m. next Sunday and the next Monday, and I'm really excited about it. Marianne and I have four different guests that are making their way, and we're going to have a special appearance of somebody who's going to be here on both services that is just going to be incredible, to say the very least, the, the most incredible. And, uh, you know, the trend these days now are, are going a little bit more toward uh, Christmas Eve services, Christmas services, rather than just Easter. Easter's great. We have a great crowd. But we're going to pack this house out both next uh, Sunday, both services the next two weeks, uh, next two services that we're going to be doing here with our Christmas service. So um, I just want to encourage you, because the trend seems to be at this point, whether young or older, they're wanting to come to a Christmas Eve service. So if you invite them, more than likely, I believe that they're going to come in. And uh, I'm pretty excited about this. I want to rehearse just a little bit of, uh, of what we talked about last week, because I really want this to settle deep within your heart. All of this Christmas celebration, all of what we're doing and all of the, the, the worship team was phenomenal this morning again, just did a great, great job. And all of these things, all of this begins, it starts with God himself. And as we shared last week, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him will not perish. If you believe in him, you will not perish. The Bible doesn't say if you go to church, you won't perish. No, it says, if you believe in Jesus with what, all that Jesus did, you may not understand it any better than I understand it, but if you believe, that's the beginning of our walk with God, is to just believe. He says, and if you believe, you will not perish, but you will have everlasting life. But then, then after what God did in sending his son, the second thing that began to take place was supernatural things began to happen. For example, there was this teenage girl, and she has this visitation of a mighty angel, just all of a sudden appearing before her. And the message from this angel, whose name, by the way, is Gabriel, spoke to Mary. Mary is the teenage girl that I'm talking about. He spoke to Mary, and he said to Mary, you have, I have this message for you, and the message is, Mary, you have found favor with God. 
You have found favor with God. And Mary, you are going to have a baby. Not by natural means, but what will happen to you is that the power of the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And you're going to conceive, and you're going to have a son. A son will be in your womb, and this baby will be unlike any other baby ever born. Ever born. For he will be great, and he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Come on, give the Lord a round of applause. There will be no end of that. No end. There will be no end. No end of his kingdom. Mary, he's the one that this world has been waiting for. The angel uh, declared, then he declares, go with me. By the way, if you want to follow along on the screen, you can do that behind me. Or if you have any of the smart devices, you can follow along with that as well. But look with me at what it says here in, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, uh, 21. And it says these words, and it's, she will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. This is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What, what uh, Matthew is saying right here, what is being shared right now is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's the message of hope. I believe that there's a message at Christmas. There should be this message of hope coming to all people, no matter who they would be. Matthew is about ready to quote the prophet Isaiah. And he says in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, here's what the prophet says. He says these words, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name, say it with me, Emmanuel. They shall call him Emmanuel, which Emmanuel means God with us. God with us. Now the prophet Isaiah spoke the, these words over seven centuries before this day, this Christmas morning that is taking place with the birth of Christ. Some seven centuries, which figures out to be somewhere around 740 years. So let me go a little bit more in detail. Matthew chapter 1, again we'll read 21 through 23. And it says, and she will give birth to his son and give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the prophet Isaiah, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This announcement was the most anticipated, the most exciting, the most longed for message that people have been waiting for for centuries for centuries, 740 years. And now the creator, the sustainer of the universe, he's with us. He's with us, the sustainer, the creator of the universe. God is with us. He's not some distant, uninvolved, far off, unreachable kind of God. No, he is a relational God. And now living among us. He's here with us is what they were saying at that particular time. Who, who, uh, who was all God and all man at the same time. Did you hear what I said? He came and he walked among us. He's not some uninvolved, far off, unreachable God. No, he is a relational God and he's now with us. He's with us. Who was all God and all man. Not one amen. Well, I just heard somebody say amen. amen. It's the truth. And you better believe it. Listen, here's what I'm saying. I believe in the virgin birth. 
I really believe in the virgin birth. It's crazy. It's nuts. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, humanly speaking, but I believe in the virgin birth. And the reason why I believe in the virgin birth is because since Jesus uh, was born of a virgin, and you'll find that literally in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, if you want to look it up, since Jesus was born of a virgin, that means Jesus was fully God when he came to earth. When Jesus came to earth on that Christmas morning, was born, when he was born, uh, that was, he, he was fully God when he came to, to earth. And do you know why? If Jesus wasn't born of a virgin and was just conceived by another mere man, then Jesus wasn't God. Then Jesus, if Mary just had sex with another man and, and became pregnant, then he's not God. He's not God. The only way Jesus could be born fully God and fully man, say it again, the only way Jesus could be born fully God and fully man was to be conceived by the Holy Spirit, which is the God part, and then uh, born of the virgin, which is the, the human part, the, the, the man side of all of that. He had to. You have to believe in the virgin birth because there we find Jesus being fully God and fully man at the same time. Last week we talked about Emmanuel. God, with, God is with us, God was with us, and God will be with us. Today's message is God is with us through the time of a storm. In my 63 years of life, um, we've had some pretty big storms here in the United States of America. Hurricanes, earthquakes, floodings, uh, uh, fires, just to name a few. Most people will invariably ask the question, well, where is God in all of this? Where, where was God when those fires were taking place in California? Where, where was God with the earthquakes? What about the hurricane and the lives? That, where was God in the midst of the storm? Where was he? If the storm, uh, if, the, the, if, it's, if, we're not, if the storm is not weather related, then what about many other things that bring storms upon our lives? How about the storm of divorce? The storm of fear or, or depression? Financial storms that so many people deal with. Financial and mental health storms. Relational storms. You know what I'm talking about. When parents and children are not getting along or family and friends are not getting along. Those, those are storms that people deal with. There's some, with some of those situations, you're a wreck. You have a hard time getting through to the other side. Storms of addictions. Storms of, of abuse that would be taking place. Unfortunately, a lot of people, when it comes to, to, to God, they begin to blame God for those things. When those things begin to happen, they blame God. They question, where is God in all of this? Why is God allowing this to happen? I don't understand why I'm in the storm. What happened? Why am I here right now? The key thought for today's message, I say it again, the key thought for today's message, the main takeaway of today's message is the next projection, and it's this. Never allow the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Never allow the presence of a, of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Go with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 27. I want to go there for a few mo moments this morning. This isn't a long message. Yeah, right. Um, this isn't a long message, but we're going to get right to it here. Um, <clears throat> I want to look at some men uh, who are out on a boat in the middle of a raging storm. It is ferocious. It is, it is a massive storm that's taking place. This storm went on for several days. The crew was completely, totally terrified. What they began to do was to throw cargo off in the ship to lighten the ship so that when water was coming on, it wouldn't sink the ship. They were doing whatever they could. They believed with all of their heart that they were going to die. 
uh, in the book of Acts chapter 27, verse 20, and it says these words. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Now this verse means a lot to me. This verse sort of breaks me. And the reason it breaks me is because I hear it all so often. So many people have told me in the midst of the storm that they're going through, I'm done. It's over. I have no hope. There's no hope. There's no hope. No way our marriage is going to make it after last week. No way. We will never climb out of this financial pit that we're in and we've been in for years. No hope. After the last semester, I now know I'm never going to pass. I'm, I'm never going to graduate. It's not going to happen. No hope. There's no way that they can take, beat this cancer. The doc said himself, there's no hope. It's over. People too often in the midst of a storm just give up hope. They're quick to give up hope. Go with me in that same chapter, verse 21. After they had gone, uh, verse 21. Come on there, computer. There you are. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, this is the apostle Paul, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail to Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. Now listen, Paul is not just trying to be a jerk by saying, I told you so, I told you so. He's not doing that. But the truth of the matter is they were in the storm of their life. They were in the storm of their life and it was their fault. It was their fault. Of course, most Christians want to believe the devil, blame the devil for anything bad that happens in life. And I get it. I do that all so often myself. And many times the devil is in the, in the center of the evil and the wicked and the storms that happen in our life. But listen, sometimes it's not just the devil. Sometimes it's just your own dumb self doing stupid things. Can I be a little bit blunt today? Sometimes you're in the middle of the storm because of you. You spent too much money. What are you going to the casino for? You're wasting your money. Because emotions get the best of you, sometimes you say things that you shouldn't have ever said, and now there's a storm. Or you're in a storm because you procrastinate. You put it off all the time, and it drives everybody nuts that works with you who loves you, who knows you, you procrastinate. Um, it's not the devil's fault that you failed the, the exam. It's your fault. After all, sometime, uh, eating Domino's pizza and drinking beer until two in the morning on the day of the test is not gonna cause you to pass your test. It's against you. You did it yourself. This is your own dumb mistake, your own dumb decision that, that you have made. Sometimes you enter into a storm because everybody told you not to date him. Your mama told you not to date him. Your daddy told you not to date him. Your pastor told you not to date him. Your best friend told you not to date him. The fortune cookie said, do not date him. <laughs> and you would just argue back, oh, he's so cute. He has no hair, but he's so cute. There's so much potential in this guy, and you dated him, and guess what? You are now in the storm of your life. Sometimes it's just our own stupid decisions, things that we don't think through, things that we are not, people who are involved with our lives that we're not listening to. Sometimes you're in a storm because of things that you do. 
decisions that you make. Let's go back to extra, chapter 27. Go back there with me. Picking up um, here in just a moment. Um, just so you know, just so you know, Paul did tell the captain of the ship and told others on the ship not to go to Crete this way, not to do what they, they had done. You can find that in Acts 27, verses 9 and 10. I'm not going to read any of that right now. But he said to them, don't go, because if you go, this is going to cause a lot of suffering. There's going to be a lot of harm and great loss that's going to take place. But of course, the upper level leadership of, of the boat at that particular time says, we're not going to listen to the Apostle Paul. We're going, to, we're going to go wherever the captain tells us to go. So for the many that were on the ship, when Paul said those words, they weren't at fault. It wasn't their fault that this happened. It wasn't their fault. Has anybody ever been caught up in a storm of life and it wasn't your fault. Come on, be honest. I mean, you can do that. Let's be honest at church. There's a lot of people who end up being caught in a storm and it wasn't their fault. Sometimes when, when you're a kid, sometimes mom and dad's marriage doesn't make it like John was talking about. Thank God his did. But if I can look at you in the eye, sweetheart, and if I can look at you in the eye, young man, it wasn't your fault. Mom and dad's divorce was not your fault. It wasn't your fault. Come on, give me, give me an amen or something if you would. It wasn't your fault. <clears throat> maybe the company that you work for, maybe they made some pretty bad decisions. And as a result of the bad decisions, now they've had to downsize and that means you're out of a job, or you need to relocate. You need to go to the other plant instead, and now your whole life, there's, there's a storm taking place as a result of their failures. I don't wanna know, but a lot of us, how many of us, don't raise your hand, but how many of us have been betrayed by your best friend? How many of us have gone through that? It's horrifying. It's a horrible storm that we go through. Listen, whatever the reason for the storm you are in, sometimes it's easy to just give up hope. It's easy to do that. I get it. But never, never, never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Never let that happen to you. You need to keep your faith. You need to, uh, don't give up. I, 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 don't you dare give up. I was going to say, I dare you to don't give up. But don't give up. Keep your courage by trusting God. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, not in your notes, it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your steps. He will direct your path. You and I need to trust in God. The storm will not take you out. Go with me to 27, beginning of verses 22 and 23. This is incredible. Moving quickly towards a close. But now I urge you to keep your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. This is Paul speaking. And then he says, last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood before me. Did you hear that? Did you hear what he just said about this angel? How cocky is that? That you would be in the middle of a horrific storm and all of a sudden an angel appears. An angel appears before you. <coughs> Listen, the Bible is very, very clear that God sends angels to intervene on our behalf. I believe with all of my heart, I really believe with all of my heart that what we, what I physically can see right now, I really believe that that's not all that there is. You see, there is a spirit realm. There is a very real spirit realm. 
And, and in fact, it's more real than this realm because this realm is going to end. Someday we will die. Someday God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth. But the, real, the, re, the reality is that spirit realm. And I want to let you know that God does use, God does use uh, um, angels all the time. In fact, we find within the word of God, there are over 290, 290 times that God uses an angel. And you can look that up yourself if you want to do that. It's, it's an incredible thing, 290 references of angels in the Bible. In 2 Kings chapter 19, um, God had used one angel to destroy 185,000 Assyrians who were attacking Israel. One angel did that. One angel. One angel did that kind of thing. Um, Marianne and I, we have a... Uh, uh, a quick story I want to share with you of what we think was an angelic intervention. Um, I, this was back in, my son Tom turns 40 this year, and Tom was in my wife's womb when this took place. So it's about 40 years ago, and um, we, we lived out in the country, and we had, uh, I had a dog by the name of Benny, and Benny was a big black dog, goofy, stupid, and, and uh, you know, just, just a dumb dog. But he was a big dog, and I really loved them. I, I love stupid dogs because they're stupid. And... Uh, <laughs> So, I was working the second shift at the steel mill, at Crucible Steel at the time, and um, Marianne was putting the kids to bed and the, uh, the couple of kids that we had at that time. And as she was doing that, she all of a sudden looked out the window of one of the bedrooms, and this car shut off its lights. It's about 10 o'clock, 9, 10 o'clock at night, and uh, shut off its lights, and the car just coasted and stopped at the end of our driveway. Well, what she had done, Marianne had put the dog out, had to latch the chain on the dog because the stupid dog would get out and get hit by a car or something. So she did that. She remembers that. But all of a sudden, when these guys got out, they got out of the car. They looked like shady characters. And as they're walking toward the house up the driveway, the dog is going nuts, barking and barking and barking. And they kept on coming. They weren't, the, people, the men weren't intimidated. And all of a sudden, the dog took off a running. And Marianne is watching the dog, uh, Benny, take off running. And she's thinking that when he gets to the end of his rope, he's going to flip over backwards, break his neck, and probably die, the dumb dog. But as he's running, and these guys are still coming, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, no stopping the dog. He goes right straight through, and he gets these guys. And they ran like a bat out of, not out of heaven, but they ran like a bat and, and got in the car and took off. Marianne went out there immediately, and the, 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 uh, the collar thing wasn't broken at all. The latch wasn't broken at all. Everything was fine. She is still convinced today that it was an angel that unlatched that so that dog could get rid of those people. And I don't know if you believe that or not. I do. I do. So, <clears throat> no matter what it is that we may be going through, God promises us that he's going to deliver us. He's going to get us to the other side. And so I just challenge you with the thought. I don't know if you've ever had an experience with an angel or not, but they are real. In fact, I've had people tell me in years gone by, at times, different people, good people, not wacky, wackadoo people, but good people have said, I saw something. I remember on the screen one time, there was this, this image that looked like a, a person, an angel or something. I don't know what it was. I know it's weird, but let me move on. So I don't know what you think about angels. But what I'm trying to say to you this morning is that you and I have no idea the different ways that God would want to work in your life to help you to get through the other side of the storm. But there's this much we know. We don't know if it's going to be angels or not, but this much we know. We know this, that, uh, that for sure that he is going to use the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you're here today and you've received Christ as your Savior, you believe that Jesus truly is the Son of God, then the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. 
The Holy Spirit is inside of you and inside of me. He dwells within us. Our God goes before us. Our God is ready even for tomorrow. Even though tomorrow's not here yet, God is completely ready for your tomorrow. God is not bound by time. He is, uh, he is hearing your prayers. The Holy Spirit is, is right now comforting your hurts as I'm even speaking today. Uh, the fears that you've been dealing with, even as I speak, you can begin to hear and sense something coming from heaven that will help you to calm those fears, help you to calm those, those areas of confusion that may be in your life. He's directing you and I. Uh, when you and I feel lost, he comes to direct us. You and I have no idea of all the different ways that God would want to use to help us go through a storm. <coughs> but this much we know, Paul, who's in the midst of the storm, an angel shows up. And an angel says that everything is going to be okay. So no, I say it again. Never let the presence of the storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. When you, when you um, recognize uh, when you recognize that even though you're in the presence of a raging storm, now you know, now you can begin to see, just simply with this simple approach of this message today, now you know that the Lord is with you. He is with you in the midst of the storm. You're not alone. And if you understand that, it changes <coughs> how you ride out the storm that you're in. In the New Testament, there's another real quick, powerful story uh, um, with the disciples. <coughs> different boat, different storm. And actually, Jesus is sound asleep in the bow of the boat, and this raging storm hits them, and uh, they're filled with fear. They're screaming like a bunch of girls. They don't know what to believe. They don't know what to think, and they're crying to Jesus, and Jesus is sleeping in the bow of the boat. They go to Jesus, and they start yelling at him, screaming at him, Jesus, don't you realize we're going to die? And the Bible tells us, <coughs> and the Bible tells us that Jesus awakens, and he stands up, and he does this. He says this. Peace, be still. And when he did that, immediately, the Bible says it, you can look it up. The Bible says immediately, immediately, the storm had, had gone, it stopped, it was over, it was done. So let me ask you a question. Why did they experience peace when they were in that boat? Well, the reason why they experienced the peace is not because the storm stopped. They experienced peace because Jesus was in the boat. Jesus is the one who, who will give you and I real peace. Real peace is found in the presence of Jesus. Come on, let me say it again. Real peace is found in the presence of Jesus. Real peace, real peace is not found in the absence of trouble and by the way, you will never have an absence of trouble in this life. In fact, Jesus guarantees that. In John chapter 16, verse 33. Thank you, Joe. Really appreciate it, man. In, in, uh, in John chapter 16, 33. And it says these words. Jesus says, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. There's a guarantee coming from Jesus. He says, the world that we're living in, there will be trouble. Trouble is coming. There's no doubt about it. You will have trouble. Jesus says that. But take heart, he says, for I have overcome the world. In other words, Jesus is saying, don't lose hope. Know that I'm going to be with you. Know that I am with you, that I will be with you. Jesus will be with you. Real peace is not found in the absence of trouble. Real peace is found in the presence of Jesus, who is Emmanuel. He is with you. No matter where you go, he is with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Acts 27, 23 says, last night the angel, the angel um, of God to whom I belong to, 
stood beside me. He stood beside me. And I want to let you know, in other words, the angel began to talk to him, to, to Paul. I said something like this to Paul. He says, Paul, you can't go down with the ship. You can't go down because there's still more work to be done. There's still work, more work that needs to be done, more battles that you need to fight. There are more people that need to be touched and blessed, lives that need to be changed. You're not going down with the ship. In fact, the angel said, none of the people that are on the boat are going to lose their lives. How far-reaching our God is, even for those who don't believe. He's Emmanuel, God with us. The ship may go down, but the storm will not take you out. Whatever storm you're in right now, that storm did not surprise God. God knew that this was coming. God is doing something in you, even this morning as we speak, an amazing worship service, the beautiful presence of God in this room. You have every reason to begin to hope as never before. I believe your heavenly Father is speaking to you and he's strengthening you and he's deepening your roots in your faith and trust in God. Acts 27, 25, I love this. And it says, so keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen as he told me. Keep the courage. Keep the faith. Don't give up. Trust in the Lord. Verse 25, for I have faith in God. My faith is not in the ship because my faith is in the one who commands the seas. Last and final verse is Psalm 46, verses one through three. And it says, God is our, our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake in their surging. Our God is our refuge. If you're in a storm right now, Randy Chiz can't help you. No man on this planet can help you. No woman on this planet can help you. You need God. He's our refuge. He's the shelter in the time of a storm. He's the one that's going to get you to the other side. And the Bible tells us, even when the worst of worst is happening, I won't fear. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God. Would you please bow your heads? And would you please close your eyes just for a moment? I know some of you in this room today are really struggling with something. We have our intercessors who are down front, and we're going to sing our last and final worship song. And as we do, we invite anybody and everybody to get on up and come on down and be prayed for. You don't have to tell them a long story. Just let them know, I'm, I'm battling fear. I'm making big decisions. I'm scared to death. I, what, whatever your thing is that you're dealing with, and let them pray for you. They're not going to give you advice. They're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to lead you, for God himself to speak to you as we sing that song. For the rest of us, before we leave out of here, we're going to sing this entire song. It's the last and final song. It'll be just a couple minutes. And uh, I'm going to ask at this point, would everybody please stand? Would you please stand? And while people are being prayed for in this final song, I'm going to ask you to worship the Lord one last time before we leave out of here this morning. Go ahead, guys.